Marketing Week Meets, sponsored by Salesforce's intelligent one-to-one -one customer journeys. Helping you achieve higher revenue, happier customers, and lower costs. Hello and welcome to Marketing Week Meets, a monthly podcast in which we speak to a marketing luminary about their life, career, and thoughts on the state of the marketing universe. Our criteria for interview subjects is this, people who have made a mark in marketing and of course have an opinion or two. Our guest today ticks both of those boxes. Fernando Machado is a marketer on the up. The CMO of Burger King was recently named Grand Brand Genius of the Year by Adweek in the US, an award that followed Burger King being crowned Creative Marketer of the Year at Cannes in 2017. The work Machado has led has been celebrated for its quirky creativity and its willingness to take a stand on societal issues, achieving all on a limited budget. He told Marketing Week last year that creativity allows it to speak louder than its size. Machado started his career at Unilever in 1996 as an intern, rising through the ranks to become Global Brand Development Vice President for Dove's Skin Cleansing and Care, where he led the celebrated Beauty Sketches campaign. He left to join Burger King in 2014, first as Head of Brand Marketing before becoming CMO in 2017. Welcome, Fernando. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. Let me take you back before all of these awards and uh, recent acknowledgement, right back to where you uh, began your career. What inspired you to start a career in marketing? I was always like good with numbers, but I always had an interest in art and, and drawing and, and things like this. I still draw a lot and I used to draw a lot uh, when I was a kid. So when I decided uh, what I would study in, in college, I ended up picking up like engineering because they were like very good. I'm Brazilian, so there were very good schools of engineers in Brazil. My dad was an engineer. I was good with numbers. Those were like my kind of like my strongest like classes, let's say. And I thought that by studying engineering, uh, I wouldn't be locked into engineering. I would be able to pick like a, a wide range of options coming out of that because engineering would give me like a, a quantitative, a strong quantitative background that I could use in consulting, banking, finance, anything. But to be honest with you, when I picked engineering uh, to study, I back then I probably have never heard the word marketing. I think that the first time I wore the word marketing, I was already working for Unilever as an intern in a factory. I was, I was in the shop floor of a factory. And I think that the marketing team was coming to present something about the innovations we would have. And we were working on the product development of that. And I just, I was just fascinated by, by that presentation. I was fascinated to see that marketing at Unilever was like business, right? I mean, and that you were able to manage not just like the quantitative side of life, uh, with the like, kind of like the calendar planning, investment levels, the PNL, but also have like a, a good creative side uh, around design, around uh, advertising and all that. And because I always had these two sides, uh, I always felt that I could kind of like uh, be relatively strong uh, on both or have like a balance uh, on both. I felt that marketing would be an, uh, an area where it would be more interesting for me, where I could come with my engineering background and have an edge versus classically trained people like on advertising design. And at the same time, I have a genuine passion and interest uh, on the creative side, and I thought that I could uh, learn. So back then, uh, I took a bet of asking to go to marketing, uh, and Unilever also took a bet on me 
allowing this guy coming from mechanical engineering, uh, working the shop floor of a factory, to go straight to the headquarters in uh, in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. And Unilever have a very advanced training program, certainly for graduates. Yeah. Presumably they do in marketing, or at least I know yeah. that they do. You didn't feel, therefore, that you were somehow behind other no. peers in marketing department Look, I mean, without to, having that background. Yeah, so to be honest with you, I think that if I went and worked in engineering, I would probably have to learn everything on the job. For At least from my perspective, what college helps you with is to, to how to approach things. And, um, and I think that, yes, Unilever has a really good uh, training program when you start for whatever discipline uh, you are going to. But beyond that, I think I was lucky enough from the beginning of my career very strong, uh, very good bosses and strong coaches uh, that invested time teaching me uh, how to do things. Uh, so I would say that I probably learn more on the job than uh, on the training. The training gives you confidence, right? I mean, it gives you like the conceptual underpinning uh, of things. But the on-the-job work, if you have a good coach, if you have a culture on the company around uh, helping people develop, that's probably even uh, more defining factor on on shaping people in terms of skills and experience than the training itself. If you were to look back on your young self and offer them any kind of advice, it's a, what would that be? I think that my advice would probably be less about uh, things related to marketing skills. I think my advice would be uh, be more patient, more talk, less email, uh, try to set some time aside for yourself to because if you're obsessed about the work, you end up like working more than you should. My advice would be more around lifestyle, you know, like, because the point is like, no, no matter how obsessed you are and how hard you work, you, you need to be a little bit patient because experience only comes with time. You know, like you cannot shortcut experience. And if you're talking about advertising uh, specifically, uh, I think that one thing that I always say is that when I started my career, it probably took me like 10 years to still like an ad that I did one year after I did it. You know what I mean? Because I was I was learning so much that the thing that I thought, oh, this is amazing. I love it. La, la, la. One year later, I was like, oh, my God, what I was thinking uh, when I did that is terrible. So and I don't know what I would have done differently because learning is part of the process. And that's why I say I was saying uh, be obsessed, dive in. Um, absorb as much as you can, uh, try to see what great creative really is, talk to people uh, who are well accomplished in the field and, and, and can help you understand why something's good, what, why something's not so good. Focus on developing your criteria to have an eye for something that you believe is going to be amazing creatively and will cause an impact for the business and for the brand at early stages when the thing is not yet done. Uh, when the idea is like on a napkin. I think that when I was a thought in my career, I was not able to do that with the, not even close the success rate that I that I have today. You know, today, uh, we can look at an idea, I can tell you like, well, this is going to fly, not fly. Do I get it right every time? Of course not. But percentage of times that we get it right as a team is incredibly high. And that was what uh, allowed us to do so much at Burger King because we develop like our credibility doing ideas that are considered for, by some to be a bit out there. But the company trusts us in our judgment in terms of like, hey, we're going to do this. Are you serious? Do you really want to? Yes, we're going to do that. Okay, let's do it. And then it works. So I, I, if I were back in time, 
that would be my my advice. Like be a little bit patient, try to absorb as much as you can, be humble, work hard. And if you're really obsessed and you love what you're doing, you love creativity, over time, you'll become better and better at that. You joined Burger King in 2014. Given the nature of what Burger King sells, which is not health food, I think it's fair to say, did it cross your mind for a second that it was the right place to for you to work? When I decided to uh, leave Unilever to go to Burger King, what I was looking for was like a, a big change. I was in Unilever for about like 18 years uh, when I left. It was my only real job, basically. Like I started there as an intern uh, and I wanted to do something that was completely different. You know, I would never change Unilever by another consumer goods, you know. Um, and, and I left at probably like the peak of my career. Uh, at Unilever back then, uh, doing the work that we did for Dove. Business results were awesome. We were getting a ton of recognition. Uh, I had, I still have great friends uh, at the company. So I left because the main, the only reason, not even the main reason was I thought it was time to do something different. I, so I decided to leave before I chose the brand that I wanted to work for. Um, when choosing the brand I wanted to work for, uh, I wanted something that was completely different. And I wanted a brand that I admired. Uh, myself. And to be honest with you, I grew up looking up to the work that Burger King used to do with Crispin Porter, uh, Bogoski, Sub Seven Chicken, Whopper Freak Out, uh, Whopper Virgins, Whopper Rats, uh, Whopper Sacrifice. I mean, I, I was like completely blown away uh, by that work. And it was work that was way ahead uh, of its time. One thing that I've learned in Unilever, especially if the work that is that like is that like it's more exciting and it's more fun when you do work that's purposeful and that we are doing something that's more than selling soap. Like on the Dove team, we would come to work thinking like, hey, we are here to make women feel more beautiful. So I thought that going to Burger King, I would be able to help the brand do more often the right thing. We have a really strong program in terms of cleaning up the ingredients in our portfolio, meaning removing artificial colors, artificial flavors, preservatives, high fructose corn syrup, all that stuff. We have a program around uh, sustainable sourcing uh, of beef, palm oil, and we have a program around environmental sustainability. Those are the four pillars uh, of the work we are doing to make people feel good about our food. So the way I see it is, maybe because of my background and because of the way I think, Going to a place like Burger King is where I probably can cause the biggest impact, you know, uh, in terms of like uh, uh, doing the right thing. No matter what I think, what you think, uh, fast food is here and it's not going to disappear from one day uh, to another. So you may as well try to do the right thing with that portfolio because the the number of people that consume those products is outrageously high uh, every day. So that's kind of like where I focus on. And it's very rewarding. We are incredibly, incredibly proud of what we accomplished so far. And for the next year or two, it will be amazing uh, what we are doing with our portfolio. If I talk about the U.S., which is our largest market, the Whopper today, the, the beef is 100% beef. There's no preservatives, no fillers, no artificial colors, no artificial flavors. The bun has no high fructose corn syrup. The tomato is cut in the restaurant every day. It's like a real tomato. The onion comes in an onion bag from the like from the market, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like a dehydrated onion that comes pre-chopped in a plastic, but no, no, no. We chop the onions every day in the restaurant. So we make the sandwich to order. 
I mean, people say like, oh, fast food is all crap, microwave. Not really, like a wee flame grill, the beef, and people prefer that than frying. Most of the other guys fry, uh, and we make to order. So um, fast food does carry that stigma, uh, and I think that we still have some homework to do to clean up the portfolio and improve nutrition, for instance, or um, uh, sustainable sourcing or environmental sustainability. It's actually better than what people give credit for. And we are working to make it even better and to make people realize uh, that's not the evil uh, that some people think uh, it is. That was a long answer to a short question. (laughs) A very comprehensive one. I'm just going to quote you back at you. You told us recently that it's really important to have a mindset that the biggest risk is taking no risks at all. The worst thing that can happen for any brand in any market is not to be noticed, you said. You waste a ton of money on media and just become noise in the background. For us to win, we need to value creativity, push boundaries and make it happen. I just wondered if you could illustrate what you meant by that. So the the quote is not even my quote, it's from Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, So that's why it sounds so smart. But I truly believe on that. In my market, QSR fast food, it's like an extremely competitive market. You know, like uh, every corner in the US and in the UK, probably, you will find some sort of like fast food. And you'll probably also find some informal uh, food cart selling hot dog or taco in the case of the US. So it's super ultra competitive. I'm not the biggest spender in terms of advertising. I'm not the second. I'm not the third. So there are players that are spending a ton of money and the largest player is spend a multiple uh, of, uh, of what's spent because they're much larger uh, than we are. So whatever I do, it needs to have two kind of characteristics. It needs to be quintessential Burger King because if it's not, people will probably associate to the brand that's more top of mind, which tends to be the largest brand, the brand invest the most. So I need to do, be doing things that people look and think, oh, only Burger King could do that. Else I'm wasting money. And second, because I don't have so much money, everything that I do, or hopefully most of the things I, uh, we will do, uh, they need to be relevant and be talked about. Because if they are not, I, I'm not going to cut through. You know what I mean? Like it may be well-branded. Oh, that's Burger King. But not so many people will notice. So it's a problem. So getting being noticed is our dollar multiplier uh, on the media plan. And being quintessential Burger King is the insurance I buy to link whatever I'm doing back to the brand. Yeah, it cannot be just empty joke that people laugh and notice, but they don't associate to the brand. There, there is a method to the madness. You know, we are not just doing any crazy idea Uh, that comes to the table. We have a very clear brand positioning. We have a very clear set of values and personality. If you look at the campaigns, for instance, that you touched, like Mac Whopper or Scary Clown or Google Home of the Whopper, they all strike the same chord, you know, like emotionally, like they all make people laugh. They all uh, make you, it's a bit self-deprecating. People think that we are a little bit crazy, that only Burger King could do that. And, And then because the idea is so strong, and has so much voltage, I can get away with a budget that's much smaller, but making much more uh, noise out there. Uh, Google Home of the Whopper has more than 11 billion impressions with a B. Uh, Mac Whopper has more than 10 billion 
uh, impressions. I don't remember the number for Scary Clown Night, but Scary Clown Night was the largest campaign uh, in terms of geographic scope uh, by Burger King. We, we, we launched this at the same time in more than 40, 40 markets. Uh, it's a campaign that drove sales, created engagement. People were talking about it. People went bananas about it, like in social media. The press gave us a ton of coverage. So that's kind of like what you're trying to do. Because we, we have to. And my advice to the other brands is like, even if you think you don't have to, or even if you are the number one, maybe having a little bit of this challenger uh, mindset uh, and trying to do things that will be noticed pays off. We haven't started at Burger King doing 20 ideas per year. Today we do more than 20. We started doing one, feeling the temperature of the water, learning, uh, building our credibility internally, making sure that the whole organization understood uh, what you're trying to do. Uh, so Burger King today is different than Burger King it was like five years ago when uh, when I was starting there. When Mark Zuckerberg says that um, the biggest risk is not taking any risk, it's because if you don't try to do that, it will fall flat. It will be plain vanilla, boring. People will not care. And what does success look like? You alluded to it there. Awards and acknowledgement in that regard are fantastic and impressions are one thing, but how has it translated this this creative, dynamic, quirky, yeah. however you want to describe it, into bottom line success? But you need to float many boats at the same time. You know, like advertising in our case, right? I mean, advertising is one thing. Restaurant design is another thing. Guest service is another thing. Price point is another thing. Uh, the promotions you have, like because our category is like very retail-like, uh, uh, the products that you have, product quality, you need to float all that at the same time. What I can tell you is that the path we've been through uh, has yielded some pretty strong results uh, in terms of sales, uh, in terms of increasing the confidence uh, of franchisees to invest behind the brand, that's really important for us too. You know, if franchisees don't believe on the brand, they don't open more restaurants. You know, we are opening, we have like around 17,000 restaurants globally. We are opening like a thousand restaurants per year now. That was not the case five years ago. We launched a brand in China, in India. We relaunched a brand in France. So the advertising and creativity also has that side effect. Uh, what I can tell you, because it's public information, is that we've been growing uh, in the vast majority of quarters faster uh, than the industry uh, is growing. In total sales, in the past like four, uh, five years, uh, we either hit like high single digit or double digit growth in QSR, you know, like uh, which is a category that's not, we are not in, in tech here, you know. It's hard to grow uh, at that level. And the, and the brand value has increased. I mean, we saw the uh, the Brand Z report just came like last week uh, and the Burger King brand value increasing 20%. Uh, we are on the top 100 uh, in North America right now, which is amazing. Uh, we were considered the most uh, effective brand by the WARC report. So we won the Granafi uh, with, uh, with Mac Whopper in North America. None of uh, those things would have happened if the results were not there. It's said by quite a few people in the industry that creativity has been sidelined in favour of a risk-averse, data-driven approach. Is that something that you recognise, clearly not a Burger King, but that you see elsewhere, that creativity perhaps doesn't have the same priority? The way I articulate that is uh, when people start to put more emphasis on 
details and media plans and media fragmentation and AI and blockchain and deep learning and, and all that stuff. And they forgot that it should all start with a great idea. You know, if you don't have a great idea, the rest doesn't matter. People ask, how are you thinking about your media plan? How are you briefing the agency? We are briefing for ideas. Like Mac Whopper, which was one of the most viral campaigns, was a print ad in a newspaper. You cannot get more old school than that. That's how the campaign started with an open letter on the New York Times full page newspaper ad. But it, the idea was so powerful that triggered online commotion around people. So I do see people, clients and agencies sometimes got too into the weeds around the details of the operational process of technology and this and that, and de-emphasizing the, uh, the idea. Or allowing data and research to make the decision for themselves. Don't get me wrong. Uh, we believe in data. Uh, we research the hell out of stuff at Burger King. I mean, it's a very 3G mindset. And that's kind of like a common currency on all the companies uh, owned by, uh, by 3G. What, what we don't do is to allow data to make the decision for us. Now, else you don't need a marketing team. Just bring a bunch of research people uh, and let research uh, make the call. So we do research, we look at the results, and we use results to inform our decision, not to decide for us. Uh, and we always focus on the big idea before into we, uh, we get into the weeds of the media planning, the, uh, the data and, and all that stuff. Marketing Week Meets, sponsored by Salesforce's intelligent one-to-one -one customer journeys. Helping you achieve higher revenue, happier customers and lower costs. And how do you create that culture, either with partners, with agencies that you work with, and internally in your team, that culture of creativity that is mindful of the distinctive assets yeah. that you talked about earlier in the tone of voice that Burger King has, but is constantly on the front foot looking for what yeah. seem like really, again, I'll, I'll use your terminology, out there ideas. Yeah, I think, I think you need to build it over time. You know, that's why I was saying that the Burger King today is different than what the Burger King from five years ago. It's not going to be like a magic one that you hit and then from one day to another, you'll become a machine of ideas. I think that at Burger King, we did reach the tipping point, but it was a process. It was like, first, let's do one idea. Let's measure. Let's explain why we're doing this idea. Let's show the results. Oh, it worked. Okay, let's do another one. Oh, it worked again. Oh, maybe there is a pattern there. So let's do another two. Oh, it worked again. Oh, people are getting excited about it. Oh, we're getting internal recognition about the stuff we're doing. So more people want to also be part of that gang, you know. Oh, the agencies look at us and like, oh, maybe that's a client that wants to do uh, good stuff. And I have probably like many clients on my on my roster that only want to do kind of like flat and plain vanilla things. So I, the creatives start to devote a disproportionate amount of time thinking about your brand because they know that you'll be the client that's going to buy the stuff. So you get more ideas and then you bring more ideas to life and they work. And then, so it's literally like a process. I think that on the first year uh, at Burger King, we did like only one blockbuster idea, which was Proud Whopper. Then on the second year, we probably did like two or three. Uh, and then on the third year, it was the year of Mac Whopper. And on the fourth year, we did Burning Stores, Google Home. Blah, blah, blah. And this, this year uh, in Cannes, just as an example, and it's not about awards, but just to get the picture, I think we won like 24 lines this year. 
with nine different ideas. Because sometimes when you win 24 Lions, it was because you had like, you had a Palau Pledge or you had a Fearless Gale. So one idea takes all. Uh, in our case, we won with nine uh, different ideas, which just shows like the, the flow that's coming from uh, our partner agencies. And we became a client that is knowing the market for like doing this, doing ideas. The worst thing for a creative guy probably is to have a great idea and the idea lives on a PowerPoint. And internally, we have uh, a leadership team that got used to it. So now they uh, they demand to have more ideas, more, 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 more. So we, we reached that tipping point, but it takes time and it's a journey. Was there anything that you've rejected? I think that we probably reject 99 ideas before we we go with one. But we, you, we don't reject because we are afraid of the idea. We reject because it reminds us of something else. We feel it has been done before. We feel like uh, it's too similar to other things. We feel it's not as creative. We tend to say a lot of no. Usually the agencies that land the largest number of ideas with us They've been working with the brand for a while. They understand how we think. And they already discarded all the obvious stuff, ideas. Oh, let's change the name to Burger Queen. Oh, let's have someone walking on fire. Oh, let's do something for the royal family. Oh, let's do something on Tinder. Let's do we kill all of that. Anything that feels like obvious or belongs to a category in terms of ideas, we kill. Uh, we want to do things that never been done before things that are scary and that we don't know how to do it. We really embrace uncertainty. Those are the type of ideas we think uh, work the best. You've launched a few campaigns that might be described by some as purpose-driven. Just to highlight a few that you've done over the last few years, uh, you were the driving force behind Bullying Junior, which highlighted bullying. You run a campaign called Whopper Neutrality that uh, highlighted the net neutrality debate yep. in the States. And you showed your support for LGBT in the uh, America as well by wrapping whoppers in rainbow paper for Pride Week. None of those things you would necessarily associate with, well, selling burgers, that's, that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Why is it important to you for you to take a position or have an opinion on yeah. those issues? Because there isn't a natural link yeah. in my mind between Burger King and those issues. Um, at Burger King, when we started to do the work five years ago, we we started the work trying to define very clearly what the positioning of the brand was. And the intention was never to create a new positioning for the brand. The intention was to do a bit of like brand anthropology to understand why people still love the brand, despite the fact that the work that we were doing back then was not great, uh, and how that love was built. And it all uh, boiled down to simple things such as a very nostalgic feeling around going to Burger King and having and wearing that paper crown uh, that we have in the restaurant and the feeling that uh, you were empowered to be uh, yourself because it was like an environment that you feel free uh, to be yourself because you were wearing the crown and because Burger King was allowing you to have it your way on a product, which is our most iconic product, that's the Whopper, which is perfectly imperfect, uh, which is always different. One is different than the other because people customize or because the grill marks are always different, like a fingerprint uh, uh, on the burger. Uh, so if you add those things, welcoming everyone, respecting the individual, perfectly imperfect. When when we added that, we said, okay, 
let's try to push this brand to have like a very strong emotional latitude. So the first campaign that we did of all was Proud Whopper. You know, Proud Whopper was a campaign from 2014. Uh, we sponsored uh, Pride Parade in New York, Pride Parade um, in San Francisco, and we sold the Proud Whopper there we had like a restaurant in Market Street, which is the street where the Pride Parade happens in San Francisco, and we call it the Proud Whopper. It was the exact same as the regular Whopper. It was wrapped on a rainbow paper, and after you finish eating, you realize that it was written on the inside. We are all the same inside. So the Proud Whopper was the exact same as the Whopper, and that was the point uh, that you're doing. And we did that to show that we welcome everyone and that we respect the individual. We are just trying to make the the articulation of those values that were there up in the air uh, over time for the brand historically in a, in a more concrete and modern way. Bullying was the same thing. Like uh, we believe uh, on respecting individuality, on welcoming everyone. Bullying was a force that we identified that would go against that, you know, because usually bullying happens when people are trying to make you conform to a certain norm that's not yours. So we decided to put forward a point of view uh, on that. And every time we do those things, uh, we try to associate ourselves with an NGO or with someone who can help us uh, make it right. So in the case of bullying, we had a partnership with No Bully, uh, which is an NGO in the US. In the case of Proud Whopper, we had the sponsorship of the Pride Parade. Uh, and by the way, we also use those initiatives to make an internal change you know, uh, in the company. Uh, Burger King five years ago in the US, there is this thing that's called the CEI, which is the Corporate Equality Index, which basically measures how well your company does with the LGBTQ community. When I started, the index from Burger King was 55. And because, and as part of doing Proud Whopper, we did work to change some of the rules and processes uh, internally at Burger King. And uh, it, the, the index goes from zero to 100. We are now at 95. It was the company on the first year. On the first year, we moved from 55 to 85, which was one of the highest jumps ever uh, on that index. So if you want to go there, you need to be able to walk the talk, you know, like uh, internally, and, and you need to do it in a way that links back to your brand. Bullying Junior uh, is presented and shown in schools in the US. Like what? I never thought about Like, Fernando, go and create a campaign that will be organically shown in schools. I'm like, how do I do that? Like, not even on my wildest, most optimistic dreams, I would think that uh, uh, would be possible. And it was possible thanks to creativity. But it all goes back to what's your positioning as a brand and what is your ambition uh, in terms of creativity. Our ambition is very high because I need to break through and I need to do things uh, the Burger King way if I want to fight some of the big guys. Is there any issue that you wouldn't want to get involved in? There is a lot of very polarizing issues, particularly in the US with the current presidency. And Nike obviously found with its recent 30th anniversary Just Do It campaign that as many people as it delighted, it upset quite a few. Is there anything that you wouldn't align yourself with through fear of alienating a bunch of your potential and actual customers? Look, I think that I would probably not associate, I would avoid associating the brand or any brand, uh, for that matter, with a topic that uh, you cannot walk the talk. I wouldn't do that. I think you have to be able to walk the talk. 
or to have at least a program to walk the talk around whatever topic uh, you want to talk about. In our case, most of the campaigns, they are a little bit out there, but they are not necessarily polarizing. There are some that are, but the vast majority are not. Like bullying. I don't know many people pro-bullying. Uh, so, but we did it in a way that it's a bit weird, right? And maybe that's why the message lends itself so well. Uh, Mac Whopper is about peace, again, or net neutrality. It sounds like a political, f- it's not. It's like both Republicans and Democrats in the U.S. were against the repeal of net neutrality. So the numbers were very high. Proud Whopper could be a bit divisive depending on how conservative uh, the state or the city uh, the city is. But, and then I think that's the point about the Nike campaign. I, I also think that at times uh, it's important that if you have a very clear positioning uh, as a brand uh, and you believe that history is going into a certain direction and if that direction ties back to the culture and the values of the company that you should go, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and I think that's what Nike did. Uh, they believe that's the right side of history. And honestly, just my personal opinion, I think that they are right uh, on that. Their company values and, and, and lives that spirit. And they did it. Like even mainstream brands like Coca-Cola have done that. Grow up, you know, like that's where the world is going. Uh, and if your company believes on that, and if your brand believes on that, uh, and you should just like, it's not even about taking a stand. It's just like the natural flow of bringing the brand to life in a, in a way that's culturally relevant and it will connect to people. I think that the Nike stock was, was like in a, a haircut high uh, not so long ago. So I, I don't think that people are going to stop buying Nike because of that ad. But I believe that a lot of people will reconsider uh, the brand Nike because of that ad. If I can ask you to fast forward to the end of your career, many years from now, I'm sure, and when you're looking back and thinking about your professional life, what would you like your legacy or achievement to be? Oh, that's like a big one. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think it. what would make me the most proud is to see many people that worked with me being incredibly successful at what they do. I don't think I would be able to pick, or I wouldn't be able to say like, oh yeah, I want to be known as the guy who did this campaign. Uh, in fact, I was always afraid of that, like after the success of the Real Beauty Sketches. Uh, and today, I think as, as global CMO for Burger King, I think that my biggest legacy is to build the next generation, you know, that, that's coming. And, uh, and I think that what would make me the most proud would be if people, when I retire, many years from now, I hope it's not so many, as you said, uh, but when I retire, the people look and say like, well, this is the guy that coached or helped develop these people, that person, that guy that's on that brand, that lady that's on that other brand, that CEO, CEO of this and, and this and that. I think that would be what I would be most proud of. Seems to me to be a, a great and worthwhile legacy to leave. Thank you, Fernando Machado. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you to my guest, Fernando. You have been listening to Marketing Week Meet, sponsored by Salesforce and brought to you by something else with me, Russell Parsons, and producer Laura Hyde. If you've liked this episode and you want to hear more, we have interviews with the likes of Sil Saller, Byron Sharp, Mark Ritson, and Seth Godin, to name just a few. Just go to SoundCloud or iTunes or marketingweek.com to download. Until next time, 
Thanks and goodbye. Marketing Week Meets, sponsored by Salesforce's intelligent one-to-one customer journeys. Helping you achieve higher revenue, happier customers, and lower costs.